Thank you so much for joining us on the Couple on Fire podcast. This podcast is for couples, for marriages, and for families within the Christian community. We exist to help break the stigma that happens within the Christian community. We're talking about divorce, we're talking about addiction, and we're talking about so much more. We believe that all this is possible in this life strictly based on the power of Jesus Christ and his ability to restore us fully. Let's dive in. We are going to get started in our final session. Yep, you're stuck with Christy and me. This is the session. This is the session that we're going to ask you that you have your paddles out. Yeah. This is interactive. We want you to have your paddles out and ready to go for this one. This is fun. This is fun. This is going to be so fun. I'm going to wait for the guys because I think they're having struggle with the lights because I'm looking like a Smurf, I think, right now. I'm looking really blue. Uh, real quick, before we get started into this session, while they're working on that, okay, I want to thank everybody most certainly for being here. Uh, it's really, I, I said a little bit before on one of the breaks, but I, I just want to reiterate, there is not enough stuff out there for blended families. There's just not. Everybody in here knows that. I've had almost a personal conversation with every single person in this room today. There's just mm-hmm. not enough. So what we're going to ask, okay, we're going to ask that after you leave today, we want to keep in touch with you via email. Uh, If you've signed up online, which I believe everybody here did, uh, I have your email. So I want to make sure I stay in contact with you, and this is what we're going to ask. If you have a home church, we're going to ask that you talk to your home church and say, hey, we want to be able to have a Friday night or a Saturday, not this long, not the full day, but maybe an hour's worth of time where we can come and we can invite people and we can talk about the blend framework. We can encourage other blended families. Christy and I have a huge heart because like you, we understand the struggle and there needs yeah. to be more awareness to blended families. So I'm just going to encourage you with that. I want to make sure that it's okay if I send everybody an email and keep you contacted. Yeah, raise your flags up or your little thumbs in the air <laughs> if you don't mind if we do that. Thank Paddles. you for doing that. Yes. And let's together do this. Let's together go and let's make a a, a real movement in the Christian community to help people know that they they don't have to just survive in their marriage and in their blended family. They can thrive. Listen, this is going to be so much fun. Oh my goodness. Christy's like, oh, I can't wait. We get to play this game. We're going to play a game. We get to play a game. That's what your paddle's for. Has anybody here ever heard of the game Epic or Fail? Epic or fail. Okay, so I'm going to explain the rules. Okay, a few of you have. Um, we're going to play a video. <clears throat> okay, we're going to play a video. And then with your paddle, you're going to say whether you think what in the video is going to happen, because we're going to pause it just before that pinnacle moment. We're going to pause it. And you're going to have to take a guess whether you think it's going to be an epic thing that happens or if you think it's going to be a fail. I want to let you know we didn't do any broken legs with like blood squirting and we oh, didn't do any no. of that stuff. My wife would have fainted probably, it would have been a would have been a horrible thing. So we didn't do any of that. We really want to have fun with this, okay? We want to make sure that we have fun. So we're going to start this. We're going to pause it. Then we're, going to, we're all going to choose whether it's thumbs up or thumbs down. And we're playing too. All right, go ahead, Ken. Epic. <laughs> Here it goes. All right, what do you guys think? Epic or fail? Epic or fail? Epic or fail? I think fail? this is going to be... It's a fa- oh, someone called it right on out. It's a fail. All right, Ken, see who's right and who's wrong. <clears throat> oh, oh, it's epic. Oh, it it's epic. epic. If you came with somebody today, see if they were right or wrong. That's what I think's fun with this. So Christy thought it was epic. I thought it was fail. Of course, she was right. I'm wrong. I already knew it. I want to do that on purpose. I want my wife to feel good. <laughs> All right, let's play the next video. Next video. 
Oh my gosh, this is so funny. What do you guys think? Epic or fail? Epic or fail? I, I, think I mean, it's, it's a trampoline for goodness sakes. Like, it's got to be a fail, right? It's got to be a fail. Look at all the fails. Look at all the fails. All right, oh. go ahead. Oh my goodness. All right, that was kind of epic, okay? That was kind of epic. That's like this. That's kind of an epic fail. I said epic. Did you say epic? Yeah. Yeah, you did? Oh, that's so funny. All right, Ken, next video. All right. I mean, come on, that's got to be epic, right? Look at it this dude. It looked epic already. He, he has the right equipment on. Like, he's just, he knows what's going on. This guy's got it all together. What do we, oh, we have some, we have some fails. What do you think? Oh! Oh, oh he's going to need a donut to sit on probably for two weeks. For sure, that guy. <laughs> all right, next video. Oh, look at this dude dancing. Look, he's just getting this, These always fail. These always fail. <laughs> Yeah, I'm gonna go fail too with my wife on this one. This is a fail. We got epic, epic. We have some fails. What do we got? Ooh, we got two epics. Okay, let's go. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he had a helmet on, right? There was no blood. I promised you guys there was gonna be none of that. Oh my goodness gracious. Okay, epic or fail with this young lady? Epic or fail? Oh, uh, fail. Yep, I'm going fail. Teenager. I think she's a magician. Yep. Here we go, here we go. What is she doing? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was a fail. That was a fail. All right, play the next one. Okay, pause it. Stay right there. Listen, people. If this is a fail, okay, we're, it's going to be gross. I'm just telling you right now. If this guy does not make it, we got to go epic. No, no. Oh, you think he's going to die? My wife's like, this guy's dying. He's dead. <laughs> He is dying for a fact. There's death happening right now. We all get to witness it. You're welcome. You got to hear ship the bed. Now you get to, s yes. Hey! Hey! Whatever. That's awesome. That was camera magic or something. <laughs> that was camera magic. Okay, this kid's a moron. Fail. This, this kid's a moron. Okay, there's no doubt. Fail. Fail. All right, Ken. He's got it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we have one more, one more, one more. Oh, look at this. Oh, no way. Oh, no, I'm going. That's a, look Poor at him. Poor little baby Look at boy. him. He's going to do a triple backflip. No. Triple backflip. All right, He's let's go. Slipping. Okay, go for it. Oh, boy. <laughs> we ended it with the epic fail. The epic fail. That was so fun. Was that now? Let's give it a round of applause for that. That was so fun. Yeah, that was fun. That was so fun. <laughs> That was so fun. So we ask ourselves, what in the world, why would we show a video like this for what we're doing here today, right? Let's be honest, right? Some of us, we guess them right. Some of them, we guess wrong. And we do that every day in our families. We do. Mm -hmm. We get some stuff right. A lot of times we get stuff wrong. But in all reality, all we're trying to do is move the needle in a forward direction. We're trying to do the best we can with our blended families. We honestly are. And at times, it really is just the best guess. That's why today for the final session, we really wanted to leave you with something powerful. The five things on the blend framework, the letter L stands for what? Learn new strategies. Learn new strategies, right? We want to make sure we leave you with three really good strategies for today. The first strategy we want to leave you with 
is one that we mentioned about a little bit earlier, and I think it's so important that we talk about it today because it is a real tricky, tricky thing, and it is the parenting styles, the different parenting styles. If you want to put that graphic up for me, Ken. Everybody in this room is a little different in all four of these categories. Some of us have a little bit of each. Some of us are very much one of those. But today we want to talk about who you are and how do you fit into this. And not only that, how in a blended family can you come together and do what's best for your children? Did you know that second marriages and on, right? So second, third, fourth, fifth marriages only have, or actually are at risk of 60% of those are at risk of being divorced again. And if you add children into the mix, that shoots up to over 70%. Why? Not because everybody's kids are bad. It's because we cannot agree on different types of parenting styles. So we want to share about that with you today. Yes. So the first one that we want to talk about is authoritarian. So the first one under parenting styles is authoritarian. And the reason why we chose me to talk about this one is because when Josh and I had first got together, my boys were eight and six, and this was the type of parent that I, that I was. So do any of these things sound like you? Kids should be seen and not heard. When it comes to rules, it's my way or the highway. Or you don't take your kids' feelings into consideration. So those were actually the way that I parented my kids. When him and I got together, it was very unique to me because his kids got to be equal voices in the household. And when I, growing up, that's not the way that I was parented. So I was, kids were to be seen, not heard. I was, if my parents wanted to punish me, there was no asking my side of the story. There was just, you're grounded. We don't want to hear it. If I even tried to explain myself, it was an excuse type of thing. And that is the parent that I had turned into. I didn't want to hear it from my kids. If they did something wrong, the punishment was the punishment. And that was it. It was my way or the highway. Authoritarian. Authoritarian. That's the way I was. You're not anymore, though. No. And we we, get to we're talk not there yet. That. Yeah, we get to talk about that at the end. Yeah, no. The second type of parenting style is something that I get to relate with. It was permissive. And this is really funny because usually women are the permissive ones and men are the authoritarian ones. Okay, but I was permissive. I was the permissive parent. So does any of this sound like you? Show with your paddle, right? You set rules, but you rarely enforce them. Yeah, you don't want to be the bad guy. You don't give out consequences very often. Well, they weren't that bad. No one's using their paddles. No, I see people using their paddles. (laughs) You know, we don't want to be the bad guy. I didn't want to be the bad guy. I didn't. I got divorced. I didn't want my kid to be mad at me. I didn't want my kid to not like me. So I was real selective on the types of consequences that I gave. I made really good excuses of why they didn't need to get in trouble. You think uh, your kids will learn best with little interference with you. I have an older sister that's about 15 months older than me. Mm-hmm. And, and um, as, as we were growing up, uh, she became a mother young, and she had children. And we would go over for family gatherings and stuff. We would visit my older sister. And it would be the month of December, be two foot of snow, and her kids are outside in short sleeves and so- without socks on, out running around in the snow. And I'm like, you let your kids just run around out there? She's like, well, if they're cold, they'll come inside. And I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. You have got to be kidding me. Now, I wasn't that permissive, but it's like 
We sometimes allow our children to kind of rule the roost on some things. And we do that because our parenting style is just, is just permissive. We just want to stay back. We don't want to be the bad person. I mean, I used to let my son sleep in the same bed as me. You know, we were buddies. We were pals. I mean, that's a big thing of how, like, uh, the golfing became a big part of my life with my son. Is like, we're pals. You know, we're going to go do these fun things. And it's not about being a father's son doing wonderful things together. It was about being a permissive parent, to be honest with you. I just didn't want to be, I didn't want to be the bad guy. So the third point that we want to make is uninvolved, the uninvolved parent. So do any of these sound like you? You don't ask your child about school or homework. You rarely know where your child's at or who they're with, or you don't spend much time with your child. So that is the uninvolved parent. And I had a lot of different parents. Like you heard earlier, when I was growing up, my dad was married five times. My mom has been married three times. So I had a lot of different parents. And there was, you know, my stepdad that I I call him my old stepdad. He's the one I grew up with. He went to work all day. He'd come home and he either was sat in his recliner and watched TV or he was in the garage. So there was no talking to us about our day, anything like that. So it was very, very, very uninvolved. My dad, I went over to his house uh, every other weekend and he didn't ask me what was going on in school. He didn't, he was an alcoholic. So it was basically like I grew up in an FOE. Okay, I don't know if you guys know what that is. Fraternal Order of Eagles. And he was always, that's where he took me, played pool, did all those things. So I grew up feeling just not loved and not cared for. And that could be the outcome of parents that were uninvolved with the kids. So point number three is uninvolved. And that leads us right into the final parenting style, right? We showed you four in the beginning, the four different types of parenting styles. And the final, the fourth one of that is authoritative, authoritative. Okay, so I'm going to ask you now, do you feel like some of these are you? You put a lot of effort into creating and maintaining a positive relationship with your children. Mm -hmm. Put a lot of energy, right? You explain the reasons behind the rules. You explain the reasons behind the rules, right? You enforce rules and give consequences, but, but you take your child's feelings into consideration. These are actually really hard to do. Mm-hmm. But research says that this is the most appropriate style of parenting. You see, Christy and I had to take mm-hmm. what we were and we had to blend together into a much better parenting position. All these bathroom talks we talked about mm-hmm. earlier, that was a major part of helping come together on our parenting styles. When we first got together, I think Christy might have shared it earlier today, uh, you know, her kids didn't have a bedtime. No, we didn't talk about that. We didn't talk about that? We ain't talking about that. <laughs> right? They didn't have a bedtime, right? And my kids did. Now, my kids had a bedtime, but my son slept in my room with me, right? So it was a really weird thing. And we had to come to some type of agreement on the way that we did things. And it took a lot of hard work working through that. I mentioned family meetings earlier. Family meetings. We have to make sure that our children understand the rules. They need to know the rules. Just telling your kids this is what it is and leaving it at that, it's unfair because they're going to go over to another parent's house and the rules are going to be different. They're going to be different. Where's our compassion? Where's our wanting to, our children to understand the things that are going on and why they're happening? You know, anytime that we're doing parenting with our children and we're trying to make it fair for everybody, that ends up being really, really difficult. We don't end up actually making it fair. That's why making sure that we're doing the rules and we're explaining them. So a four, authoritative, 
is the, is the most ideal thing. That's what Ron Deal says. Yeah, and that is hard in a blended family. You know, usually for your first marriage, before you get married, you're dating. You guys are talking about all those things. You know, like, oh, when we have kids, what are their names going to be? And this is what we're going to do when they get in trouble. We're not spankers. We're corner parents, you know, all of those things. But a lot of times then after you're divorced and you start dating again, you get into a blended family. Those are things you just don't talk about. Josh and I didn't. We Mm -hmm. didn't sit and say, hey, what do you do when you're kids get an E in school. Hey, what are you doing? Like we, those things weren't talked out. And the next thing you know, we're married or we're living together. And all of a sudden we're like, no, my kids, they go to sleep when they're tired. Other than that, I am an authoritarian parent other than that. And he was exactly opposite. It's like he was a permissive parent except for bedtime. You know? And so it was a very unique situation. Yeah, it was. So we had to come up with something that worked. And we didn't have any resources that we knew of, right? I mean, the the water could be there, but if we're not led to it, we don't know where it's at. So these parenting styles, we didn't know anything about it. That's why we really wanted to talk about parenting styles today. It's important that we know these. We need to know where we stand in our own parenting styles because you have one. Now, it's most likely a mix of of the four. Yeah. But if you have the mix of the four and you had percentages in each category, your percentages most likely are going to be different than your spouse. And that's not healthy. We have to make sure that we come together so our parenting styles are even a blend of all of those, but they're the same together. We talked about being a united force. We have to be united. You need to be a couple first, just like the hierarchy. We have to be a couple first, especially in our parenting styles. So that is the first strategy. Make sure that you're applying the appropriate, appropriate parenting styles. It is a massive strategy, and it's super important. The second strategy we want to talk about is a unique family system, a unique family system. Yeah, so we all know, I've talked to a few of you during this conference today, and we all know that blended families are unique. They're all like a fingerprint. And it's important to have unique family strategies that speak specifically to your family. Some families, it was this person's first marriage, this person's second marriage, this person had a kid, this person didn't have kids, this person has kids. There's so many different things that create a family system. We saw it a little bit in Ron Deal's video that we played at the very beginning. And then it's like, okay, the the one family had a parent that passed away. Mm -hmm. And I was telling someone earlier today, I'm like, that's something that Josh and I didn't even think about because we didn't have an ex that had passed away. So then you take kids grieving the loss of a parent into a blended family. That's a whole nother depth or level that we hadn't even considered. And that's important to create a community of blended families to all come together and support one another Mm. with all the differences that we do have because we need to have empathy and understanding for one another. Yeah, it is important. I mean, when we talk about a unique family system, your family is a system. It is. It's a system. And the impact that's going to happen within it is super important. We have to be highly strategic inside of this system of our family, okay? And maybe what has worked in your past family system won't work in the new family system, And we get to talk about some really fun stuff, some stuff about Mm -hmm. this that Christy really enjoys and I enjoy that we've had to really adapt. So unique family system, it is going to be unique. What worked before isn't necessarily going to work now. Yeah, and I like that word. Unique. Unique. Yes. Because it's makeup, unique. It's better than special. (laughs) We're not special. We're unique. So the first point that we're making is new rules and roles for your home. 
So when Josh and I first got together, um, I was a, I know, I don't, I even thought about not even talking about this, but I was a spanker, okay? I spanked my kids. And I know some people are like, <gasps> she spanked her kids. And when Josh and I got together, Josh, it's not that he didn't believe in spanking, he just didn't. And he just thought that that would be a very, very last resort. And I grew up in violence and we didn't really dive into that today. So it's not that I was beating my kids, but I did spank them a lot. So when him and I got together, we had to sit down and talk about what is a punishment that we could both agree on. The kids do need to get disciplined when something happens, Josh. And he didn't agree with spanking. So we, in the beginning, we sat down and we figured out that our boys hated writing sentences. So Jordan, Jordan, you know, we introduced her earlier. She was 14 when we got together. She was the older sister and we really didn't have that many problems with her. She was like another parental role sometimes in the house, keeping them boys in check, you know, bringing them into the bathroom saying, look at the toilet lid. You put it down, you know, type of thing. So those are things I didn't have to worry about. So once we found out sentences, the boys despised sentences. They hate writing at all. And so as soon as I figured it out, that was my go-to. I'm like, okay, you're in trouble. Whatever it is that they got in trouble for, you can say, I let them choose. You can say, I will not hit Garrett, or I will not hit my brother, or I will not hit my stepbrother. Whatever you got to say, age appropriate, we would have them write 100, 200. As they got older, sometimes I think it was like three or 400 sentences, and they absolutely hated it. Absolutely hated it. And I'm like, I found a little bit of enjoyment in that. I'm like, yes. <laughs> You know, sit down, be miserable. But over time, you know, I'm like, okay, like we do need to change this up. I was getting bored a little bit. And you know boys can get in trouble. So Josh and I, I don't even know where we came up with the idea, actually. But Ken, if you could throw up the picture of the chore board. This isn't the actual picture. We had a whiteboard in our house. Uh, we put it up in plain sight. So when guests came over to our house, you would see this chore board hanging up in our house. And we had all their names on there. And there was red, red light, yellow light, green light. And so Josh is like, Christy, you know, the kids do deserve a warning. Okay, they are humans. They are going to screw up. She's like, red light. <laughs> <laughs> Not true after we got the board, Josh. Not true. <laughs> no, she's a rule follower. She's like, no, we'll follow the rules. Yeah. So I'm like, yes, that's true. They should get a warning. So we would, we would revisit it at the end of every week. So at the start of the week, everybody, like teachers tell you, everybody has an A. Everybody's on green. You know, and as they get in trouble for something, we would say, this is your warning. So then we would move them up to yellow. Yeah. And then yeah. if they got to the red light before the end of the week, we had a list of chores on the side, which we didn't put on this, but they got to choose what their discipline was going to be. So it could be picking up dog poop in the yard. It could be taking the trash out. It could be doing dishes. It could be putting dishes away, whatever it was. Sentences was on there too, but no one ever chose that. So I'm just like, ooh, might as well just take it off. You know, so, but the chore board actually caused it to where we could sit down and actually have talks with our kids and say, this is your warning. Do you understand? You know, the next, the next time you get in trouble, you are going to go to red light, you know, and it actually opened them up to take more responsibility for their actions within the home. The other thing was the new rules and roles in the home. So I was talking to a couple earlier Today, it's something that Josh and I didn't recognize for a few years into our relationship, and I actually carry a lot of guilt about this. Him and I got together. He had Jordan, who was the oldest, and then little Josh, 
and they oldest and then little Josh. And then I had two. So I had Garrett, who was my oldest, and then Graydon, who was the baby. He's still my baby. And when we got together, it went, Jordan was still the oldest. Josh was still the second oldest, oldest boy. Garrett, and then my son was, Graydon was still the baby. Garrett had the most change that he had to take. Garrett went from being the oldest boy in the home, the alpha, to being the third oldest, second oldest boy. And we didn't recognize it when we first got together. And we had, we have had the most struggles with him. We've had the most struggles with him. He is very talkative like his mother. He's very outspoken like his mother. He always has something to say. So some of it is God punishing me because he gave me, you know, we all pray for a child. Please don't give me a child like me. And your mom's like, I pray that you get a child like you. And I got one. I got one. But he also, with the blended family, he also had the most adjustment to make. And we weren't really keen to that when we first got together. And I do carry a lot of guilt about that. So for the first point, it was new rules and roles in your home. Make sure that you pay attention to those. Yeah. Yeah. For the second one, we want to show actually a really funny video. It's something that Christy said. (laughs) I picked this one. (laughs) She's like, I picked this one. So the second point we want to talk about is making respect a priority. Go ahead and play the video, please. If it plays. And nope. Hey, man, they got a preview. Don't ruin it. Is, nope. it. is it not on there? Okay, well, we can't play it because apparently uh, it didn't make it on there. Of course the one I picked, he left out of the presentation. Make notes. That's right. It's a unique family thing that we got going on here, okay? I apologize. But it's one from, has anybody ever seen the movie Blended? I think blended. Just, yeah, the movie Blended. blended? Yeah. So there's a spot inside the movie, right? Of course, I, I dropped the ball on that one. It's but, all right. Um, I'll email it to you. Okay, right. So there's a spot in there, though, where they're boxing, right? They're boxing him and um, the Adam little boy, Sandler Adam and Sandler, son. and the little boy that's her son uh, is boxing, right? And this is his opportunity. He's like, well, give me your best shot, you know? And he's just like, boom, hits him right in the gut. And Adam Sandler's down here just wheezing, and he's like, like this. And he was like, oh, you okay, you okay? And he sat up, and he was like, that's what I'm talking about. Like, you care about me right? It's not just about that. Like, we have to make sure that respect is important. It's super important in our unique family system. And this is how the respect works. It's no different than discipline. Christy, we forgot the Terry Crews part. So Terry oh, Crews, I, Terry Crews is working like Terry in the background. Crews, so. He's like, they are blending. <laughs> they are bonding. You know, and he's working. You know, Terry Crews, he has the big chest and he bounces it up and down. It's funny. That's I funny. could not have done that part. That's why I didn't do that part. Okay. I don't know. It'd be bad. So they looked at the best part. <laughs> Go on there. I can't do that. All right. Now I've got to find my spot again. Sorry. <laughs> threw me completely off. It's important, though, that we understand that, that when it comes to respect, Christy's got to make sure that her sons know that respecting me is a priority. And I have to make sure that my daughter and my son Mm -hmm. respect her and that it's a priority. It has to be a priority. Mm -hmm. That's what it is. We have to make sure that our children know that respecting each other is a priority. There's so many times that it's easy inside of our our families for us to, to banter back and forth with our children and take their side over our spouse's side. Right, because we feel like I think Christy talked about this earlier, where we're take we need to make sure we take our kids' side. No, we have to understand the hierarchy of what Christ is telling us, and we also have to understand that where respect makes a play in this. I still tell my boys today, okay, and this is an important thing to me. Christy is the queen. She looks like a queen, and she acts like a queen. To you, baby. Christy. To you, baby. 
is a queen, and she will be treated as such. Not only do I make sure that I treat her like a queen, so my, my sons and my daughter know that she's to be treated this way, but I also enforce it. We walk up to a door, she is not to touch that door. She knows. He had to train me. He did. Because I was like, no man will open a door for me. <laughs> I can open my own door. But she but knows now, right? Yeah. It's a respect thing. And she'll be treated as such. It's actually kind of funny because if we're around random people, she'll stand at the door. This guy's like, is your arm okay? You know, it's kind of funny. <laughs> no, queens don't use their arms for doors, dude. I'm trained. He trained me. It's not my fault. But it's important. My sons and my daughter know that Christy is the queen and she is to be treated as such. My boys know that you go and you open a door. And it's really funny. So years go by and you're not sure if your kids are really picking up on the things or they're just doing it in front of you, right? They're just like, whatever, dad's going to get mad. He's going to yell at me if I don't do these things. Well, then we get... Our kids go and they go stay at parents' house and stuff. And we get feedback. Of course, we do that, right? We get feedback from our kids and they're like, and these boys got some manners in them. I'm like, they better, okay? They better. They, they better do that. That's because respect needs to be a priority. We know, right? We know about the millennial age group. I and mean, we are all old enough here that we can kind of laugh and joke about that. But we want to make sure that we don't, the chivalry's not dead. Mm-hmm. It's a choice. Mm-hmm. And we have to make sure that we're choosing that. Mm-hmm. she's the queen, and she treats me as the king. She'll tell anybody. She's like, Josh, I am your biggest cheerleader. She tells me that, and she truly is. Why? Because she respects me, and she demands respect out of our family as well. Yes. So under strategy two for unique family systems, the third point we want to talk about is create new family traditions, and we chose me to talk about this because this is my favorite. <laughs> this, is one she's, this is one she's excited about. And Terry Crews, but this one a little more. <laughs> and, but this was so much fun, actually, for us. So, you know, it's all about what we focus on. And when you get divorced or you're starting a new family and you, or you've lost a loved one, there is a process that you're grieving of what is lost. You know, nobody that you talked to actually wanted to get a divorce. Nobody entered into the first relationship saying I'm going to get divorced or expecting their spouse to pass away. And so there is grieving or special things that you've created with that family. And when you go into the new family, and it is for the kids too, they have special memories that they had with their biological mom and dad together as a family unit. So when you go into the new family, it's like sometimes kids are giving an attitude problem and you can't really figure out what the attitude problem is about. Well, maybe something is encroaching on what they felt was special with their parents being together. And it needs to be respected as such. So when we started talking about things, I love Christmas, okay? I absolutely, I came to the front of the stage to say that. (laughs) Like, I absolutely positively love Christmas time. It hits to be October. It's the last quarter of the year. It's Christmas for the whole last quarter. I'm sorry, Sarah. My friend Sarah's here. She loves Halloween, Thanksgiving people. It's all skipped. The whole quarter (laughs) is about Christmas. So one of the family traditions that we came up with was we, when we first got together, we did have a Christmas tree. It was a fake one and it was white. So that was special. But then I'm like, I would like to start new family traditions, new memories for our kids to have that they can look back on or they can do with their own kids and go out and get a real tree and cut a tree down. So, Ken, if you could throw up that picture. So, that's the first time that we went and cut down our first tree. So, the kids were still relatively young there. And we had so much fun. And we've done it every year since. Now, you know, something happens to our kids when they turn to be about 16. (laughs) Um, it, It starts around 12 or 13. You're like, what is happening? 
like they used to have kids that wanted to hug me and, and now they don't. And then they don't want to be touched or breathed or even be in the same space. In 16, it really gets bad, especially with boys that just walk around grunting all the time. <laughs> and once they hit 18, it's really weird. Like 18, 19, they really started coming back around. So for the last couple of years, my special memories that I get, like, we're going to go to Christmas tree. They are not happy. They go but they're not happy about it, especially Garrett, especially Garrett, especially Garrett. He's the most vocal. Another thing that we did, and I do have an example that's not about Christmas, I promise, but another thing I did, we did, we, is we take one gift of theirs that we know is special to them, or maybe they weren't expecting, and we hide it, and we, it's their, um, their big gift, they call it, because they have to do a scavenger hunt to get it, and we started it when they were younger, so the clues were more age appropriate. So as they got older, we would put them in foreign languages. They would have to Google like how the word translations, they'd have to use their compasses on their phone. They'd have to use the degree, like Fahrenheit, uh, what's all the word, the degrees. Yeah, yeah that they have Latitude to figure motion. it out. They have to solve riddles, <laughs> all of these things. And their first clue was always in their stocking and they had three or four clues that led them. So that was a fun family tradition. Another fun family tradition that we did, and I had mentioned it in the first session, was family fun night. So our family was hardly ever really all of us together. Josh's kids went to their moms three days a week, and then my kids were gone at their dad's every other weekend. So pretty consistently during that time, though, Friday nights were all of us were together. So it was perfect. We said we were going to have family fun night. So we would play minute to win it games. We would play card games. We'd do all this stuff. And over time, the favorite was murder in the house. And I know you guys are like, that's a church game. It started in church. It was called Murder in the Church. If you guys have never heard of it, you know, all the, the youth group would turn off all the lights in the church. Everybody would, and one person was the killer, and they'd have to pretend. I know. It was morbid. So it turned into our house, though, um, freeze tag in the dark. Because once the person that was it tried to pretend that they were going to kill me, I freak out. So it was more like freezing them. And we got so serious. All the kids' friends ended up hearing about this. And they would say, when is your family doing family fun night? Are you guys doing freeze tag in the dark? And they'd all want to come over. And we, everybody would dress in black. We would cover clocks, everything in our house. You couldn't even see the hand in front of your face. Our house was dark. And we had so much fun. Well, one night we got the bright idea with friends over our house to all get dressed in black. Ken, if you could put up that picture. This was all of us. Well, Look at Jordan. Gosh. Look at these kids. <laughs> That's Garrett. <laughs> but we were actually with a couple friends. We actually were getting ready there to go TP our pastor. So that's what we ended up doing. We did hear about that later from his wife because he was a youth pastor for 17 years and she had gotten TP'd way too much and she wasn't too happy about it. But that was so, so, so much fun that the family fun nights. And then that night, especially out of all the even freeze tag in the dark nights, that night went down in history because we we went to the grocery store thinking we were going to get arrested because we were buying so much toilet paper and to go TP our pastor's house. So don't forget to create new family traditions. Yeah, for the fourth point under unique family system is something that's really hard for us to take hold of, right? Some of you have told us that you've only been married for two years. So the fourth thing I really want to talk about, it takes time. It's going to take time. 
We're not patient people, right? We TiVo, which if you're old enough to know what a TiVo is, right? We record everything, right? I mean, we have Netflix and we have Hulu and we have Amazon Prime. Who waits for a TV show? I mean, we're almost disgusted with ourselves and we're like, I went through the whole one season. Why isn't the second season out? (laughs) We are so impatient as people. We are. And if you happen to be blessed to be inside the ladies group, if you're a lady, uh, you know, we were able to talk a little bit about Ron Deal. You know, Jay mentioned something that is so awesome because if you've ever read any of Ron Deal's stuff, he talks about blended families as being like crockpots, mm-hmm. right? Crockpots, not Instapots, okay? We've went from crockpots to Instapots. It's ridiculous what we do because we want to cut time down on everything. But it doesn't work, right? You can't make an all-day meal that's supposed to simmer and cook, make it delicious. And you can't cook that thing in the microwave. You can't do it. This thing's going to take time. Rest assured that you're not alone in this journey, that this unique family system that you're creating, because it is unique. Everybody in this room, your situation is very unique to you. It is. And it's going to take time. So you want to know something? Christy and I have been together for 10 years. There is things that are still developing after 10 years. They just are. So maybe not in two days. Sorry, it's not an instant pot life that we live in or a microwave life that we live in. It may take two years. It may take two decades for some stuff. I know there's somebody that's here today that didn't get into their blended family till later in life. One marriage of 26 years, the second marriage of 27. Her kids were already grown when she got into the next one. I mean, sometimes things just take time. Don't give up. My wife, in her heart, and love to care and love on people because she didn't get that as a child is amazing. My son that was here this morning to show some support, 19 years old, my wife's blessed heart tells this boy that she loves him every day. He has never said it back one time. Not one time. He did. He did one time. I am going to interrupt with this. One time I was dropping him off at school and I'm like, love you. And I think he said it out of habit. Well, he did. He's getting out of the car and he's like, love you too. And he's around. I didn't mean that. I'm I sorry. didn't mean that. I'll take it back. I'll take it back. <laughs> he did. He tried to take it back real quick. <laughs> and it's because his, his mom does not make it okay that he cares about her. And that happens. There's many of you in this room that that, that happens. And sometimes you take and spend 10 years pouring into these little boogers, okay? Mm-hmm. Maybe we spend 20 years pouring into this unique family that we have. And maybe you won't get back what you think that you're supposed to get back. Maybe you won't. But what I can tell you, and I look into my son's eyes, I know my son. I know this boy. Man, he loves this woman. He loves her. I would not want to stand here and tell you that he loves her more than he loves her mom, but he loves her more in a different way. Because she doesn't ever quit. She keeps taking time and still pouring, taking time and still pouring. She just does it. She doesn't have any quit in her because she understands it's not about her. It's about the family system. It's unique. It's hard. It's ugly. It's dirty. Maybe you got to pick the carrots out. Sometimes there's carrots that you don't like. Sometimes there's peas in there, and whoever cooks with peas is amazingly crazy to me. I love peas. I like them all by themselves, okay? By themselves, maybe with butter. Let's just talk about that. But We have to understand that this unique family system is going to take time, and it's okay. You're not going to figure it out in a day, and you may not figure it out in 10 years. So I want you to know you need to let it take time. 
Our third and final strategy mm -hmm. is the whole entire reason why we wanted to do this. Yes. It's community. Mm -hmm. We can go to seminars, we can go to conferences, we can read books, we can watch YouTube videos, and we're taking information in one direction. One direction. And it's so important that we have community because it needs to be two ways. Yeah, community, I, I can't even speak enough on it. I hope we really drive home how much God and community is needed in marriages and even more so in blended families. I remember when Josh and I first started going to church, you're already carrying, I was personally carrying a lot of guilt. I grew up in church. You know, I went to my dad's every other weekend. He really didn't go to church, but my mom always took me to church. My grandparents went to church. My grandparents were very special to me. I moved in with them when I was 17 for other reasons, and they ended up raising a girl. They had four, four boys, and they didn't know what to do with a teenage girl, but they took me to church as well. So I had grown up in church, and I knew how much sacred marriage was. And the fact that I ended up getting a divorce, I carried personally a lot of shame and guilt about that. And then when I got remarried and we decided, I knew I needed God. I knew God has to be at the center of my life. God is my foundation. I have to have a relationship. He sent his son to die for me. And I knew at my core, my new marriage was going to be, God forgives all sins. Mm. Jesus's blood didn't get poured out on the cross to say, oh, he covered all sins and made all sins white as snow, but divorce. That's not what it says. And sometimes when you walk into a church building, which I don't know if you guys know this, but it's full of people and people aren't perfect. So you're going to come in sometimes to churches and sometimes you're going to feel like you're wearing a big red D on your shirt. Ken, if you could put up the picture for me, that's how I felt walking into church, like everybody knew, everybody knew, you know, we're, we're the ones, we're the ones that we've been divorced, you know, so our marriage isn't as sacred as the first marriage. And that just simply is not true. No, and we've learned over the time too, that the community has been such an impact of changing our own personal lives. It has been something that literally has taken us today being part of this, we feel a, a different type of connection. I was just sharing with Christy uh, yesterday and again today I was sharing with her that a lot of times people say that blood's thicker than water. I'm a living testimony. She's a living testimony, but that's just not true. It's just not true. We are all believers in Jesus Christ. I, I believe everybody here is a believer in Jesus Christ. We all have the same purpose in life and that's to honor and glorify God with our lives. What better to have a community of people that have discovered brokenness that they're not proud of to then be part of a community of people that we can lean on, mm -hmm. lean into, and share with. So that's why we want to talk about community as our third and final strategy. Yeah, so the first point under community that you get from being in a community is understanding and support. It's so amazing. Josh and I learned about this through Celebrate Recovery. It really opened our eyes to how important community really is. Yeah. Josh and I were more, because of our upbringings, we were both more, I'll just take care of it. I'll take care of myself. I'll take care of it. I'll take care of it. I'll take care of it. And when we got together, since we both were like that, it actually was detrimental. It actually slowed down our process with God when we got together because we literally, you know, we kept coming to this church. We talked about it earlier, you know, third, fourth time. We ended up staying here, which we love it. And we would come for the first couple years. That's a funny story that Josh will have to tell you later, how we got plugged in. 
not today. But we, we would slip in for the first couple years and sit in the back. And then as soon as the pastor was done praying, we'd slip out. And no one didn't know us for the first couple years. We, we didn't get plugged in. And then over time, God started to work on our heart. And then we started the Celebrate Recovery program here. And it really opened our eyes. God grew us through that program because we saw how important community is. They give empathy and it gives sympathy when it, it's needed sympathy. Like they understand what you're going through. Another thing our church does is they have life groups or people interchange the words, life groups, small groups. And what our church does, a lot of churches are doing this now, is they meet outside of the church and the church tries to plug people into different life groups or small groups that are in a similar walk of life. Well, we had been all sitting around. We rotate where it's going to be hosted. Sometimes it's at our house. Sometimes it's at other people's house, Shana and Kevin's or Doug and Stacy's. And one week it was at our house and we were all going around as a life group, getting to deepen our relationships together and talk about our personal testimonies that God has brought us through in our lives. And as we were going around, everybody had a story except for Stacy. And I did ask permission to say this story. So anybody that wants to kill me later, I ask permission. <laughs> so she, we get to her and she says, I don't really feel like I have a testimony. And she said, you know, my parents are still together. I grew up in a good home. I'm pretty confident in the person that I am. Like, she's like, I just, I really, she's like, I kind of feel weird because I don't feel like I really have a testimony. And it wasn't but just a few weeks later, maybe a couple months. I don't even know if it was that long. She went in to have a hysterectomy and they actually, a laparoscopic, and they actually sliced her bowel and didn't know it. And she was in the hospital and, you know, after the surgery and they sent her home and she started acting really peculiar. And Doug called her doctor and was saying, she's acting weird. She's, she's, and the doctor's like, oh, it's the pain meds she's on. And it, and this went on for a couple days. And he finally took her to the hospital. He's like, this isn't right. And she gets to the hospital and they realize that they sliced her bowels. She had become sepsis. She almost died. She was in a coma and she was in the hospital for a while. And she ended up having to leave the hospital with an elioostomy bag. I hadn't ever heard of that before, and she had to have that for six months. They named her Stella. So if you see them later, you can talk to her about Stella. Um, <laughs> but she survived that. And the beautiful thing about that, though, is during this time, we joke about it now in our life group, like, be careful what you ask God for. <laughs> because you think he doesn't get, you don't have a testimony that he got you through, he'll give you one, you know? But... You'll get During, a Stella. <laughs> how Stella got a group back, girl. <laughs> um, she knew during this time, she was a new believer, really submitting her life to, to Christ. She's going through this hard time. Some people, maybe if she, I don't know this for a fact, but maybe if she hadn't been plugged in to a community, maybe in that moment she would have turned her back on God. But instead, she was reaching out to people from the life group, talking to them about the peace she felt. Like, you would not believe what happened to me the other day. I could have swore, like, I was so nervous. I was so scared. Like, oh, is this going to happen? Is this going to happen? And God's like, I got you. I got you. Mm. And that is the beautiful thing about community. And that is why blended families in the Christian community need a community so bad. 
because we go through struggles with things with our kids and we feel like, you know, we went through a time where my 18-year-old son, I, I was sobbing. He doesn't know, my oldest son, if I'm going to be completely transparent, doesn't know if he, he believes in God. Out of all four of our kids, he's the one I told you about. He struggled the most with us being together. He doesn't know. And that's a very, very hard as a parent. And to not have other families surrounding me that understand that, that Josh isn't his biological dad, his biological dad lives a completely different life than us, it would be harder on me. I've had so many people pray over me, pray over Garrett, because he isn't mine. He's God's. And that's why this, we probably talk about this point the longest, because Josh and I are so passionate about community, because it's so needed within the church community for blended families. Yeah, absolutely. The second one we want to talk about and this one is really touching to me, and it's empowerment. Yeah. It's empowerment. You know, what we do lack is confidence. We do. I know in our group, and our breakout groups, Jay talked a little bit about that. You know, it's, confidence is something that's extremely important. Women, I can tell you right now, what you like about your man is when he's confident. Not cocky men. Let's get that straight, okay? No lady wants a cocky guy. She wants a confident guy. And what, what a good, strong community gives you is empowerment. You can feel empowered to keep going. We run out of gas. Like, we're going to run out of juice. We are. We're going to get tired. Our kids are going to wear us down. We are. We're not going to be happy all of the time. And without a strong community of people, we're going to lose that confidence over time. But when you have people coming up behind you and being like, hey, you got this. You can do this. You've been through worse. You can keep going. All you need to do is just keep putting one foot in front of the other. Sometimes that's all we need is a little bit of empowerment from our community. And without the strong connection of community, we don't have the empowerment. If we have to rely on ourselves to motivate ourselves, we might as well forget about it because we'll have bad days. So we need a strong community of people that have a good, healthy understanding like our first point, but also something that gives us empowerment. I know when we first started Celebrate Recovery, I talked a little bit about this earlier, is that when we first started four years ago, I'm thinking to myself, oh, I'm going to get up, I'm going to teach the lesson, I'm going to do these things, right? I'm going to do this, I'm going to pour out into all these guys. But then over a while, I started getting tired myself. My own struggles started trying to like seep into my mind and started making me feel insecure and stuff. And these guys started to empower me, give me empowerment. And I'm like, wow, the strength of this community is just so strong. I didn't understand the importance of empowerment. So that's the second point on our community is empowerment. So the third point is resources. So this is so amazingly humbling uh, to a person that has grown up to be independent. I will do it myself. I don't need anybody. I was taught growing up to not need anybody. People let you down. The people that were supposed to love me in my life did not love me. And this has been the most humbling experience throughout my recovery and then getting remarried, that opening yourself up and being vulnerable. That's what God wants us to do. I did a Bible study at the church a few years ago, and I'll never forget, you know, some analogies just stick out to you more than others. And I never forgot this analogy that they talked about is that, you know, pry, prying the people that are so stubborn in heart prying our own hearts open and holding them open 
to love people. And even if people hurt us, we just keep it open. And that's what God did for us. And that's what he wants us to do. We would not have been able to put on this event. We, we would not have without Jay and Laura, without everyone that has came and volunteered. We have people here from our life group. We have people here from the church. We have people here that are from CR. And we have people here that are outside, that are part of the praise team. I'm on the praise team at our church. We have people here from the praise team. And they all came multiple days, not just today. Multiple days they gave of their time to practice and to have meetings and to make sure everything was going to be run so well. Setting out the snacks, setting all the stuff up, moving all the chairs, praying over us, donating money, donating all of these things. And it's so humbling to know that Josh and I were talking about it today on the way here. We didn't grow up in families like that. That's why we were talking about blood is, that's not true. I wish it was true. But it just isn't. And everyone is just coming. And what's so funny is we would do the same for them. And that's the beautiful thing about the Christian community is that what, that's what we'll do for one another. And that's why we wanted to create a community that strong, specifically for blended families. Mm. Because we should want to be there for one another and encourage one another. And community is such a huge part of it. It's just people just love on one another. And I love love. I just, I love love. It's just amazing. God is love, right? God is love. You're absolutely right. The fourth and final thing we want to leave you guys with under community is exactly what we've been pushing the whole time, and that is connection. (laughs) Connection. Do not leave here without connecting with somebody. Please, don't allow this to go to waste. Some of you are from downriver, right? Some of you are not. Some of you are maybe more up north, right? We would never have known each other if it wasn't for today. You wouldn't. Utilize this connection. Bring this connection together. Do not lose it. You could be the, 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 the motivation and the inspiration to this other person that they've been needing all along. God does things, and he does them with purpose. Understand that connection can be everything that you need leaving here today. That's what our heart is. That's why we want to make sure that we continue to connect. Connect. Our world can be interchanged like a chain. We just have to make sure that we, we set it up. We set it up. Mm. Everybody here needs to connect. We all have trauma in our past. That's what comes from this. We're all broken. Everybody's broken. Maybe you're just here today because you're willing to admit it and saying, hey, my marriage matters. This blended family that God's given me matters to me. And I want to make sure that I connect with other people so I can encourage them and they can encourage me. Christy shared a little bit about Stacy. And Stacy and Doug, they're like some of the greatest friends we've ever had. And this is why. Because of the amazing connection that we have with them. God has crossed our paths for so many reasons. Christy and Stacy are so opposite people. They complement each other in an amazing way. My wife almost cries every time she's around her, and Christy doesn't really cry. Stacy's sweet. Stacy loves Christy. She wants to encourage Christy. She wants to, she wants to lift Christy up and it never feels overbeared by her. She never feels like Christy's trying to run her over because Christy is tall and she is the largest type A that they make like oh all gosh, the way. Gosh. Calm down a little bit. <laughs> she is. <laughs> oh my God. 
steps. She is a leader. She's one of the most amazing female leaders I have ever met in my entire life. I know that I'm biased, but I'm not. If you know her, you know that's true. But Stacy doesn't have any problem with any of that stuff. And they complement each other so well. And Doug is the most humble guy that I know. He's so humble. He wants to just come and just be part of something and support and love on me. And it's hard for men to do that stuff. Mm -hmm. And they have a blended family. They've been through some divorces that have not been pretty. And they're not proud of it either. But we can encourage them, and they get to encourage us. And we've connected so well that not only are they part of our life personally, they're in our life group, they go to our church, they come to celebrate recovery, they help come and be part of this event because of connection. We have to be open to the connection point of what goes on between us and the people that are here you guys, make sure that you connect with each other before you leave today. Yes. Huge part. Absolutely. So what we want to close you with is we want you to know that God loves you. God wants to bless you. And I know for me personally, because I didn't have love really growing up in my family, I never was really loved as a child, is that's one of the hardest things that I've had to learn to accept, is that God does love me unconditionally. God is love. And if you had a bad father sometimes growing up, you don't really understand how much God loves you. And in a blended family, that can even be harder. You know, that God's going to love your marriage as much. God's going to love you as much. So we really want you to know how much God loves you. And and I need to know that. I don't want to speak for Josh. I'm sure he does too. But he does love you and he wants to bless you and your family. And your kids are God's. And their paths and their stories are already laid out. God already Mm. has it. You have to trust in him with those things. If you're carrying guilt, from being in a blended family or something you've done in the past, in your past relationship, you need to let that go. That's part of their story. It was ordained. I have a pretty nasty story growing up. And I turned out pretty okay, I think. Very okay. So you guys are coming to church. You're wanting to love the Lord. If you have kids, you're doing a good job. You're doing a good job. Your life story will speak to them. It really will. Yeah, honoring God needs to be the foundation. We started today talking about making God the first priority in your life. Mm -hmm. We want to make sure that we leave today knowing that making God your foundation, your pinnacle portion of your life, is what's really truly going to bring you success. We talked about some stuff today that was fun. We talked about some stuff today that was difficult. But ultimately, follow what the Word of God is telling you. Mm. It's hard. We don't always like it. Sometimes we want to get on Facebook and we want to share our opinion because we're right. And we know that's not good. Or we want to punch people in the face. Right. And that's not honoring God either. Right. So take your bumper sticker off saying where you go to church and then pop them in the nose. No. We want to make sure, though, that we're honoring God first with our family. And know that your spouse, the one that God has given you, not this good, but he's given me this one that's good, is that... If we can honor our spouse first and foremost, through God, he can do miracles in your family. He loves you. He wants what's best for you and your family. So make sure that you have the opportunity 
to honor and glorify him in all that you do.